A lot of times I'm asked, why do you like sequels better than the actual first movie? Well, the answer is simple. I'm very impatient. I don't like origin stories too much unless that story is told within the first like 20 to 30 minutes of the movie. And, you know, let's just get going. A lot of times you can already tell how the movie starts by just watching the trailer. Let me give you a quick example of a movie which took too long for a damn origin story. And that is the Power Rangers remake slash reboot that happened a few years back. The movie was almost two hours long. And we only got about a good 15 to 20 minutes of the team in their actual Power Rangers suits. I mean, it's the Power Rangers. Who doesn't know that origin story? Why did they feel like they needed to film a whole hour and 30 minutes letting us know how this team got together when the TV show told us everything we needed to know about them in the first 15 minutes of the intro? Makes no sense to me. Today's movie is one of the best sequels I've ever seen in my life. I'll consider this the Terminator 2 of Child's Play films. So today, we're talking about 1990s Child's Play 2. Did you miss me? Chucky's <laughs> oh. back. Child's Play 2. Bad boy. More Chuck for the buck. Starts November 9th. Violence, language warning. Just like any kid in the 90s, we were all terrified of Chucky. You know, while you're asleep at night and, you know, your parents were always telling you you were going to run up the electricity bill if you left a TV on. So they gave you this small little nightlight. And that nightlight used to make shadows against the wall and you thought that everything was moving. Your whole house was haunted. Well, after watching Chucky, I used to think all of my toys were moving to come and kill me. I didn't think that you know, I was going to have that uh, that Toy Story movie feeling to where they were going to come alive and start playing games and shit and telling jokes and saving the day and having fun adventures. No. And sounding like an old man right now, because back in my day, toys, when they did come alive, they were coming to kill you. So thank you, Disney, for uh, helping the kids of the generation after me, I guess. Right. Um, <laughs> And. To make things even worse, when I would get in trouble as a kid, my parents used Chucky as a, uh, as a form of punishment. And it would straighten me right up. Oh, and, I, and for some reason I believed that they had this magical ability to summon Chucky as soon as I, uh, you know, I didn't clean my room or I didn't do my homework. Because the first time I would try to talk back, you better shut the fuck up or we're going to get Chucky after you. And those were the exact words of my parents, by the way. And I would start crying thinking that Chucky was going to do it. So I'd straighten my ass up. It wasn't like these days where these kids are being told, hey, we're going to put you in timeout. And, uh, and the kid starts telling off the parents and the parents are like, well, hey, let, let's discuss this. No, bullshit. Not with mine. I was being threatened with everything that you can think of. And not in an abusive way, but it was just more they were really trying to scare me into like listening. There was some fun marketing strategies ahead of this film's release. Now, one of the big ones was the fact that they showed Chucky in uh, the 1990 Horror Hall of Fame. He was uh, being introduced by Robert England and uh, Chucky was wearing a tux, which uh, shows you a little bit of a, a comedic side to him that we didn't get to see until like probably the bride of chucky um which would have made that even better if robert england was in full freddy makeup 
um, would have been really cool, right? Uh, I, I, that would have been such a mashup. It would have been a lot better than Freddy's hand coming out of the ground and grabbing Jason's mask at the end of uh, Jason Goes to Hell. And then there was a, the 1-900-Chucky hotline. And that was basically a pre-recording of, of uh, Chucky speaking to you and wanting to play a game. You, you were also able to have him call you back and tell you some shit. Now, before I started recording this episode, I tried calling this number. It doesn't work anymore. Uh, uh, there was, there's no trace of any audio recordings of, of any sort, no commercials. Um, I really wish I was able to include that audio on here. So uh, those are like the two cool marketing strategies, in my opinion. Because um, I think everything back then, you, there was a hotline. There was even a Freddy hotline. There was a hotline to find out if Elvis was still alive. And they were all, just like this Chucky one, $2 for the first minute and a dollar for every minute afterwards with your parents' permission. And then you made your credit card. And now, our feature presentation. So at the beginning of this movie, we get uh, two executives. Actually, one executive and the actual owner of PlayPal Toys, Mr. Sullivan. And they're discussing how they were able to get this doll away from the evidence lockers and into their factory to rebuild it. Now, they were trying to rebuild the doll to show everybody that, hey, you know what? Somebody must have been messing around with the voice circuits or whatever it was. And they pre-recorded themselves saying that they were the Lakeshore Strangler, Mr. Charles Lee Ray. But the worst part about it was to find out that the cops, the police, Detective Norris and his partner from the first movie turned their backs on Karen Barkley. And they denied her story in court. And she was admitted to a psych ward. And Andy was given away to the state. Sad times, right? In the original script, the courtroom scene was actually included. To where they did show everybody turned their backs and Karen was on trial. And every, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards. Now, we didn't get to see this actual scene being filmed, nor is it a deleted scene. But it was included at the beginning of Cult of Chucky. And to replace Karen Barkley, they used the character of Nika. Now, Nika is on trial for the murders that happened in her house. And she's trying to let everybody know that Chucky is alive, that he did all these murders. And the state just went ahead and said, fuck you, you're crazy. We're sending you to the site ward. That's basically where the whole Cult of Chucky movie takes place is in the asylum. And it would have been cool to see Karen Barkley struggle and try to get out to save her son but she is nowhere nor is the actress in this movie at all so playpal decides to gain this doll from evidence and another one of these scenes that didn't make the movie which they used later on was the locker scene in the beginning of Bride of Chucky. Now, at the beginning of Bride of Chucky, they're showing the locker, and they, you see, you know, the Jason Voorhees mask, the, you know, Freddy stuff, the chainsaw, all kinds of junk from all these other iconic killers. And that was supposed to be used at the beginning of this movie, and it wasn't. Um, would have been really cool to see, but I don't think that anybody had the rights to any of those things at that moment. But Play Pals was, uh, was able to get the actual doll and they reconstructed him from the bottom up 
you know, by hand because in this movie, these dolls are created by machines. So they had two technicians create this doll, and in true Frankenstein fashion, Chucky is brought to life with electricity and he's coming after Andy's ass. Now, another person that you're probably going to feel bad for in this movie is Andy himself. Andy is being told by numerous uh, like psychiatrists and the orphanage themselves that he manifested this whole Chucky uh, situation in his mind and it was all a bad dream. So they kept instilling that into his mind before he was able to go to a foster family. Now, this orphanage fucking sucks because Chucky somehow is able to gain Andy's new address because he was just taken in by a foster family. He was able to gain Andy's new address by telling the orphanage that he was his Uncle Charles. How the hell does that happen? I know I'm probably thinking way too much into this, but who cares, right? Now, Child's Play 2 is a prime example of what I, in my opinion, want to see out of a sequel. I don't need to see a retelling of the first movie. You know, I don't even need a recap. It's just this movie gets into it from beginning to the end. It doesn't let up. It doesn't give you time to breathe. And that is actually a compliment. It's not a bad thing. The movie doesn't even feel rushed. And even though that this movie is, quite frankly, the shortest one out of the whole franchise, it is the most impactful. Chucky is vicious in this movie. He's very realistic looking, not like uh, the ones like in, uh, you know, Seed of Chucky and on where they got a, a new company, a new puppeteer group, a new animatronic group. You know, no. Kevin Yeager did the special effects for the first three movies and they looked amazing. If you don't know who Kevin Yeager is, go ahead and Google him. And when you do, you'll find out that he's married to the actress who played uh, Andy's mom, which is a. Uh, Kind of a cool love story, I guess. But I do like that Andy is now coming into his own. I do feel bad for him, too, because he's trying to move on. And everywhere he turns, something happens. You know, he goes to the foster family's house and another good guy's doll falls out of the closet and scares him. And they're like, hey, you know what? You know, don't be afraid of him. And that doll is named Tommy. And uh, that is a tribute to the director of the first movie, Tom Holland. He also directed uh, Monster Squad for all of you 80s fans out there. But, you know, Andy, getting back to Andy, he's, you know, I, I do feel bad for him. Dude's just trying to move on with his life. And that's hard for an eight-year-old to actually do. Um, and his foster family is just a piece of shit. Joanne seems like a pushover crybaby. And Phil is just an asshole. Uh, I can't stand Phil. I'm happy that he actually dies in this movie. And the way that he dies, uh, that was, you know, very fitting. You know, the whole movie, he's trying to tell Andy, you're full of shit. This doll isn't alive. You need to stop being afraid of these things. And then at the end, he meets Chucky face to face and Chucky snaps his neck by hanging him from a, a rope. Uh, it's kind of strange how that actually happens, but it makes sense when once you watch it. Speaking of Phil... He is played by Garrett Graham. Now, if you ever see, if seen any of his movies, he's in a movie called Terror Vision, uh, Chopping Mall. He was also uh, Barry's teacher in uh, Sidekicks, a movie that I had an episode on a, about a month or two ago. 
And in everything that I've seen him in, he's never a nice guy. Um, he's he's the perfect asshole. And he was almost well, actually his character Phil was almost played by Charles Grodin, the dad from Beethoven. That's correct. And um, I don't think I would have liked to see that. Honestly, Charles Grodin always seems to play really good, stressed-out father figures. But in the end, you can tell that he's got some heart behind him. And with Phil and with Garrett playing him, you can tell that he's an asshole through and through, and he's fucking cold-blooded about it. In the Child's Play 2 novel, we do find out that Phil is way more abusive verbally towards Andy. And if you can find that book... It may be a little bit pricey, and there is an audio version of it that is made by a fan on YouTube, by the way, to go ahead and check that out. But it's uh, the book really gets into a little bit more detail, and it, it fleshes out a lot of these characters a little bit more. And we also do find out more about Charles Lee Ray. Now, in the book, Charles Lee Ray is... Uh, a special kid, special needs kid. And he's often bullied in school. And, and it's not just for being special needs. It's for the fact that his mother is a dwarf and his father is an abusive alcoholic. So Charles one day gets enraged and wants everybody to stop teasing him about his mom. So he goes and he strangles his mother and he puts her, uh, you know, he buries the body. And thus is where... I said thus, I tried to sound professional, but I guess it didn't work out too well. But that's where the Lakeshore Strangler serial killer was created. And that's kind of cool. Like I said, if you go back and if you're a reader, try to find that book. Try to find a PDF file of it. Um, it it's a really good read. I'm not a reader, but I did hear the audio version of it on YouTube, which is really fun also. If you have those long work days... Um, it's actually good. It's a good thing to listen to as background music. It's very informative, and uh, you know, I I, uh, I only read books when I was a kid just so I can get that free pizza. So thank you, Pizza Hut, and book it. Children who love to read can grow to new heights, expand their knowledge by discovering new worlds, stretch their imagination by reaching for the stars. Book it is a reading incentive program that encourages young people to read. There are quite a bit of kills in this whole movie, but one that stands out the most is Miss Kettlewell. Now, she is Andy's bitch of a teacher. Now, I'm not over-exaggerating when I call her that, because that's exactly what she is. <laughs> Chucky wrote, fuck you, bitch, on Andy's uh, coloring sheet. And uh, just real quick, Andy really can't color worth a damn. It was just a bird and some blocks. He colored way out of the lines. Like if he was a two-year-old, he must have been eight or nine in this movie. Uh, I, I guess he's got better things to worry about than coloring in the fucking lines, right? And Miss Kettlewell sees it and tells Andy that he's going to stay after class. She literally forces his head down so he can put his head down. And she locks him in the classroom alone. I don't know what laws they have in chicago because that's exactly where this movie is and uh which is kind of strange because i wonder if it happens in the same timeline as home alone because home alone was released in 1990 and it is in chicago 
So uh, they may be connected in the same universe. Wouldn't that have been cool if if Chucky went into the McAllister's house and got all the shit that the, the wet bandits got? That would have made for some great comedy. Keep the change, you filthy animal. But finally, going back to Miss Kettlewell's death, she deserved every bit of it. And I felt like they did it in such a Hitchcock style with her because you didn't see any impact and there was no gore or just very little bit of blood that you would just see, you know, show up on the yardstick. But when they would show Chucky, you know, basically beating the trash out of her with that yardstick, you saw it from a very far distance. You didn't see much. You just heard her scream and you saw the yardstick just kind of motion up and down. Um, and I like that. You know, it was a little bit of a break from a lot of the other kill scenes that are happening in this movie, which, you know, he was just going around strangling people because that's what he's normally doing. He's uh, the Lakeshore Strangler. And uh, I think the only other death that happened in this movie that showed something was when he stabbed the caseworker at the orphanage. So kudos to them for trying something different and not having to show every little piece. Now, in this movie, we do meet the rebellious Kyle. She's 17 She's in the foster home along with Andy, and she's just waiting until she turns 18 so that she can move out and be on her own. Uh, I, what I think is cool about it is it seems like she fills that void that Andy is missing since his mom is gone. She's kind of like an older sister slash mom, because at the beginning, we meet her and she's just like smoking in the house. She's wearing a leather jacket. And by the end of the movie, she's dressed like a single mother. So I feel like she matured somewhere within like 30 minutes. Which is uh, which is kind of funny, but it's 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 kind of nice to see. Kyle finds out that Tommy isn't Tommy. He's he's actually Chucky, and Andy was not bullshitting the whole time. So she knows that the dangers are happening, and that's when we get to the climax of the movie, the Playpal's warehouse. Now I've worked in the warehouse before, and I know that if you're gonna stack something so high, you need to secure it, maybe at the top, in the middle, at the bottom just so that things won't fall over. And they didn't do none of that with these Chucky dolls. I just felt like if a gust of wind were to blow in there, the whole fucking warehouse is going to have an avalanche of dolls. And where the hell was the security guards at anyway? You're a warehouse with no security cameras or anything. Nobody saw a fucking doll and two people running from it. Nobody thought, hey, man, um, maybe I should go help these guys out. That's probably one of those things that I'm overthinking as usual. One of the fun things about the warehouse scene is the fact that we finally get to see Chucky be successful at finishing the Dambala chant. Problem is, he spent too much time in that body and he became human in that process. So, uh, and it, it was very simple too. The rules were simple. They even explained it in the first movie. If he spends too much time in there, he won't be able to transfer his soul out. And that became evident when he finally finished the chant. He's looking down at Andy and his nose starts bleeding like a fucking crack whore. I used to suck dick for coke. I seen him. Now that's an addiction, man. You ever suck some dick for marijuana? Being that Child's Play 2 is my favorite movie in this whole franchise, it's not without its flaws. And one of the biggest flaws is the ending and how they kill Chucky. They stick an air hose into his mouth and his head overinflates and explodes in a whole bunch of pieces going all over the place. To me, that death did not fit the rest of the movie. It didn't fit the tone because the whole movie, it's serious. It's vicious and it's, it's, it's unrelenting. And then we get 
to that scene, you're just like, hey, what the what the hell's all that about? Well, once that's done, Andy and Kyle walk out of the warehouse and they're like, well, what do we do now? And then they zoom into a PlayPal sign that's uh, waving goodbye. That's it. That's how the movie ends. In the theatrical version. Now, in the made-for-TV version, uh, the you know the the one that USA Network always plays, they don't show the Andy and Kyle part. They normally show, and they always show, really, the part where the piece of uh, Chucky's face is getting melted into the plastic that is being used to create new dolls. That plastic is being fed through tubes into a machine that's molding a new good guy head. And once it reveals the new doll's head, it smiles at you, and that's when the credits roll. To me, that's a way better ending than what we got in the theatrical version. Um, and coincidentally, the piece of face that's inside that hot plastic is very foretelling because it's the same side that gets sliced off in Child's Play 3 at the amusement park. If anybody remembers that, there's a Reaper part in uh in one of the rides and it slices off chucky's face that exact same piece is in the plastic at the end of part two now it's only a couple minutes long and i will put the link to that alternate ending in the description that way you guys can check it out for yourselves i think it's kind of cool um and that's really how the movie ends to me I, I think it's a great movie it's a it's one of the best sequels i've ever seen especially for this franchise because after child's play 3 it kind of went very comedic chucky got a family he got a wife he got a girlfriend then they tried to go back with uh, curse of chucky into like the horror roots and then when then they went to cult and now they're going to have a new series called chucky on the sci-fi channel which uh debuts on october 12th and uh, the, my only biggest gripe out of all the new Chucky movies, starting with Seed, was the fact that they didn't get Kevin Yeager back to do the, all the special effects. They got a new company called Alterane and Alterian, uh, uh, I think that's what it is. Maybe I'm not reading correctly. Like I said, I'm not a reader unless I'm getting pizza. But um, I, I'm, I'm just not a, I'm, I'm not a fan of how he looks. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of like being a smart ass about this but in the new chucky series they're trying to go back into the original look and it's like why spend money to get the guy to try to get it as close as you could to the original when you can just hire the original special effects guy to do it and the added bonus is he's married to andy's mom so you could have easily that would have been an easy cop out right there but i am looking forward to the new chucky series because they brought back andy kyle's back jennifer tilly is back you know, uh, Fiona Duraf. They even got Brad Duraf to come back as usual to be Chucky's uh, voice again, which there's nothing wrong with any of that. It's got the makings of a great series, and I, I believe it's a very short lived series. So um, remember October 12th on the Sci Fi channel. I kind of miss when Sci Fi was actually spelled like Sci Fi and not with the two Y's, um, but I'm not going to get into that. Now we get to the part where you've all been waiting for. You can catch me at slash underscore vision underscore TV on Instagram. You can write to me. You can email me. You can do whatever you want. You can trash me. It doesn't matter. Any reactions better than no reaction. Please like, subscribe, share, review, just anything. And as usual, I'll see you next time.